Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today, we're starting a two-week series on one of my favorite things to talk about, and one of my favorite things to talk about is hope. I mean, Seattle fans know what hope is like, right? We, <laughs> we put a lot of hope. The Kraken are doing good, by the way, you know, so even there, they're doing well. They're doing well. You know, we, 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 we ride the waves, but I'm very excited about it. But, but hope is something that we want to talk about. We're going to take five weeks, and we're going to talk about home at work, at play, in many areas. On February 5th, I'm really excited. We're, we're, we're going to have uh, the director of the counseling service that we have partnered with. Maybe you've heard us talk about this, but last year, one of the things I prayed about is, I prayed about, Lord, you know, is there, is there a way that we can partner with some Christian counselors that offer that here? Because mental health is such a need in all of our lives, especially as we've come out of this, just this very difficult season. And so now we have a counselor who's working here one day a week, is faithfully giving just Christian, just good, just wonderful counseling. The, the, the director of that will be here on that morning, February 5th, and we'll be talking about it. We're doing a little interview and talking about it. So very excited about that because we know we have hope in Jesus. But even when we look at the Apostle Paul, I, I think some of my favorite verses when I think about hope, as I think about the words of the Apostle Paul. Romans 12, 12, maybe you can read this with me. Read, let's read this together. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And then in Romans 15, 13, the Apostle Paul says again, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See, the Apostle Paul, he was constantly, continually talking about hope, writing about hope. But if you know the Apostle Paul, you know that he wasn't just, just somebody who kind of kept his distance from the troubles of life, and he was off in just some corner just eating bread and, and drinking tea, I guess, right? Coffee? I don't know if they had coffee back then. Poor people. Um, but just, just off in some area and just writing and just sending letters out. The Apostle Paul was actively engaged in the work of Christ. Look at what he writes in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger at false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. The only thing that's not in there is lions and bears, oh my. I mean, it's just all this stuff is just churning up that he's going in. And in the middle of it, he's talking about, I have this incredible hope. <laughs> Even though it's, the, all these things are happening, I have this great hope. And as, as he talks about hope, he's living it, breathing it, struggling it through. And so as we begin this series on hope today... I want us to begin by looking at one of his disciples, somebody that he's poured his heart into, which we often refer to as young Timothy, because it appears from what we see in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that Timothy is experiencing some fear in his life. You know, after all, he's walking with Paul, and Paul has been, is just walking in and showing him how to do it. But Paul, in the middle of this, he's giving him some words of encouragement to combat all these emotions. So listen to the words that Paul is speaking to Timothy in this moment. 
Paul writes to young Timothy, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, in this passage, I think it's pretty evident that the Apostle Paul, he's addressing head-on one of the biggest opponents in Timothy's life. And it's one of the biggest opponents to hope. And one of the biggest opponents that we have to hope is a little word, fear. Fear is one of our biggest challenges that we have today. See, fear can make us do things that otherwise we would never do. Isn't that true? Right? Fear, would, would, uh, fear can distort our reality. Uh, fear, it distorts our perception, and it causes us to rush into potentially dangerous and even harmful situations for those around us as well as for ourselves. Fear can even motivate us to give up something that we worked very hard for, right? Advertisers know this, and so often they'll use fear to get you to give up your money, right? I mean, have you looked at some of the ads that go, are you afraid of going bald? Why, yes, I am. Are you, <laughs> are you trying to lose, are you f- afraid of gaining weight? Yes, I have that fear too. Are you afraid? And they go on and on. And then they say, do we have an answer for you? Just give us your money, and Dwayne, you'll have hair again. <laughs> I haven't done that, by the way. And if you had no condemnation, just uh, I have a coffee addiction that I have to deal with. So. But as we walk through this, I, I think we recognize that the way that fear can just hit some of the core things that we have in us. And though there are many things that we could list out that we could say, I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that, when you, when, when you talk to psychologists and you read the, the research that they found, is that most psychologists, they've narrowed down our fear to three main categories. And, and what they'll tell us is that most of our fear comes down to three main things. It, it's a fear of death, a fear of abandonment, or a fear of failure. And when we talk about the fear of death, this is any fear that is related to potential physical suffering, any, any bodily harm, illness, actual death, or, or the afterlife. This is linked to that fear of death. As it relates to abandonment, this is if, if you're afraid of rejection, if you're afraid of humiliating yourself, or if you're afraid of ending up alone despite your best efforts, they'll tell you that it's this fear of abandonment is the thing that haunts you and probably all of your relationships. And then that last one, uh, fear of failure. Uh, If your worst nightmare involves performing a task poorly or being unable to financially support yourself or your family or receiving a bad grade in a class or or if if your children are struggling, right? Sometimes it's like, man, I can absorb it. But when my kids are struggling, that just, that really, really bothers me and cause me to be fearful because they're making poor choices. Well, then they'll tell you that your fear is back to that fear of failure, fear of failure. And see, the challenge with fear is that if it's not dealt with, if we don't deal with our fear, that we can lean into some very negative ways to compensate and to cope with this in order to shield us with the fear because fear can be overwhelming. And that being said, there is a healthy fear, right? If you find yourself in a position where you're about to jump out of an airplane, 
you should have a healthy fear of hitting the ground. So how do you combat that? Well, hopefully you've taken a class, you're with an instructor, you have a parachute, and they'll tell you when you do the parachute, you check, you double check, you got the parachute, you got the backup parachute. And so if you're that crazy person, have a healthy fear, make sure you go through the process and you do it right, right? Well, and for me as it relates to that, one of the things that I love to do is I love to kayak, whether it's fishing from a kayak or whether it's sea kayaking and all of that. And, and I have a healthy, I grew up on the ocean. And I grew up with a healthy fear and respect for the ocean because while it's beautiful to look at, uh, we can name probably some top movies like The Perfect Storm where the ocean needs to be respected by all of us. So one of the things that I did in all this, because I've, I've, I've been kayaking for years, but I'm like, you know, I really, I've never flipped over, but I should probably learn how to get back in the kayak if I'm out on the waves, if, that's, if that should happen, because things can go wrong. So one of the things I did is I, I joined a, a, a kayak club in the area, and last night there was a pool session where we come together and we learn some of these things, and they teach you some of these things, and you walk through about how to get back in your kayak when it's tipping and going over. And uh, this morning I feel like I've been doing pull-ups for like two hours, and my lifetime record prior to this was two. So, <laughs> so I'm a little sore today walking around. But I walked away from that just filled with so much hope and filled with just so excited where I, I couldn't wait to get out in the sound again because I had a healthy fear that caused me to do this in a healthy way. And as it relates to God, the Bible tells us that there is a healthy fear as it relates to God. In the Proverbs, we see it written in, in Proverbs chapter 10. It says, the fear of the Lord, which means an awe, a respect, a reverence for God, this is the beginning of all wisdom. And then it continues to say that this healthy fear, awe and respect, wonderment, also prolongs our days. So there is a healthy fear, but there's also this unhealthy fear, and we know these oh so well. These are the ones that can cause us to overeat. I always confess during my sermons, and so that's it. When I'm stressed, man, you better hide the chips. Hide the almonds, hide the chocolate, hide everything. Just put a lock on it because that tends to be mine. But some has led them to abuse drugs or to have health, unhealthy relationships. We're, we're so afraid of abandonment that we bought this saying that would say, well, it's better to be with somebody than to be with nobody. Have you ever heard that? huge lie. The only thing worse than being by yourself is being with somebody who's terrible to you and, and mistreats you. Yeah, I heard a lot of amens on that. And for some of us, we compensate by becoming workaholics, where we, we dive ourselves into the job that we have at work and we distance ourselves from those around us because there's so much fear around us See, all of these are tactics where we try to take control of everything by ourselves, where we try to be the one who's saying, you know, I can overcome this, or we think it's a weak thing to admit that we're fearful. And the challenge with these tactics is that they often leave us in worse shape than we began when we first acknowledged the fear. Dysfunctional relationships, poor health, addicted, we can't sleep at night, we've got acid reflux, and all these things that happen, and we've chased away our, our friends, and now we're too ashamed to ask for help. This is the problem of fear. And when we lean into this, we find that all the hope is gone in our life. And we're just spiraling. So that's why when we look at Scripture, when we look at the Apostle Paul, looking to young Timothy, trying to breathe some life back into him, he brings the answer. And he's saying, that, that he's saying Timothy, and to all of us today, the answer to our fear is what? Is hope. 
When we are scared, we need hope. When we have these fears in our life, we need hope because hope is the antidote. I mean, Princess Leia in Star Wars, she even knew this, that hope is the foundation that we stand on. And I think one of my favorite verses as it relates to hope is found in Isaiah chapter 40, 31. And many of us, we know this, we've memorized this. But in Isaiah 40, chapter, uh, chapter 40, verse 31, it says that those who hope in the Lord, that means wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. That's a promise. Those who hope in the Lord, those who wait in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I love this verse. I've memorized this verse. I've, I've committed to memory. I meditate on this because when you look into that word hope, and I, I love this, it means to wait, to look for, uh, to hope, to be expectant, but it also means to collect together, to bind together. In other words, when we talk about hope, it means that hope is a rope. Hope is a rope. And many of you, you may have heard me say this before, and I was so excited to talk about this today because it brings me a lot of encouragement because when we think about all the things that a rope do, I mean, what does it do? I mean, a rope, a rope holds things together in our lives, right? A hope, it adds, the rope adds strength to our lives. Rope, it, it, it allows us to climb over obstacles that otherwise we would be unable to get over. So what, what is a rope? Why is a rope so important? Well, when we talk about a rope, we're not talking about a string, right? If you try to tie something down with just one string, or if you're going behind somebody who has something in the back of the truck and it's just tied with a string, you need to choose another lane really quick. Because one string will break, unless you've got some kind of Spider-Man technology, but I'm sure that's got many strands. But what makes a rope effective is that you have all these strands woven together. It's strand after strand. See, strong ropes are multiple strands. They're, they're braided together. And these types of rope, they're strong, but they're also very flexible. And I think this imagery is a great one for me because in my experience, those who know the most about ropes are those who put their life at great risk. They're, they're called mountain climbers. Mountain climbers. Do you, you know that our own Pastor Michael uh, does a lot of climbing? This is actually his rope today. I thought that would get a bigger reaction, but I don't know. It was impressive to me. It was very impressive to me. And yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. He doesn't just have beautiful hair, okay? He's got great, a great rope here as well. He's, but as it relates to the rope, mountain climbers put a lot of effort. They put a lot of protection. They put a lot of time into the rope. Because for me, prior to this and prior to meeting people who climb mountains, my interaction with rope was just the Home Depot rope, right? $10. I've got a lot of $10 ropes in in, in, in my garage. But these are ropes that you'll never see a mountain climber put their life in. Because see, mountain climbers know that whatever they're leaning on, when they lean full back into that, they're putting their life and those with them at risk. They're fully leaning on it. They know that if it fails, they're in trouble. Because see, when you're hanging off a ledge, you're not thinking about how much education you have. You're not thinking about how much money you have. You're not thinking about any of those things. You're thinking... Is this rope going to hold me? And is this rope going to hold those that I've said, yes, you can trust that rope that is there? Because in that moment, you would gladly give whatever you had in your pocket to get the very best rope possible. And as it relates to the rope in our lives, we know the only rope that will never fail is Jesus. See, Jesus 
is the answer to every challenge, every question that we have. And when I say Jesus, I'm not just putting out Jesus and walking away from it. I know life is complicated. I know life is hard. But when we find ourselves in those positions where our life is at risk, where there are things going on, where we feel the things of death, abandonment, and failure, we'd better be holding on to the only rope that is going to last in our life. See, we, we know that Jesus is the only one who never fails. Friends fail. Family will fail. Your boss will even fail. And if you're a boss, you're going to fail. How many have ever failed before? I know I have. See, that's why there's no way that I'm hanging off a ledge in my life unless I'm hanging on to the only hope, the only thing that will never fail. Because I've got people hanging on to me. If I hold on to anything else and I fall, I'm putting my children at risk. I'm putting my family, my community, all those around me. And that's why in this opening scripture that we read about the Apostle Paul, Paul described God as the God of hope. The God of hope. What does this mean? Well, it means many things, but as it relates to the rope analogy, it means that as we walk with God, trusting in God in every situation, see, God, he's weaving through this rope of hope in your life. And I think this is something that we often struggle with, that we, that we don't realize. I mean, think about all the saints in Scripture, that when they, when they got into this tight spot, they were reminded of all the things that God did for them in the past. See, in this rope of hope that I have from King Jesus, I'm thinking back to the times when I was scared that I couldn't provide, and Jesus provided. I was thinking about the times that I was alone, and Jesus provided. I was thinking about the mistakes I made, and Jesus forgave, and he brought people into my life that would help me walk through that forgiveness path. I'm thinking about the tight situations that I was in, the tough conversations that I had, and the Lord was there, and he kept providing, and even when I failed, he picked me up, and even when I was holding on to the wrong thing, there's, there's, that Jesus came and he rescued me. These are all the strands that Jesus is weaving together in our life, and this is the hope that we hold on to. I think that's why, you know, one of the things that, that, that I saw very early on in COVID, when, when there were so many people scared, I would call some of our precious saints who've been serving the Lord for decades, and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? They're like, yeah, Pastor Ray, I'm okay. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. And they're like, oh, we're doing great. No problem at all. I remember they interviewed this 90-something uh, war vet who'd been through wars. He'd been through cancer. He'd been through so many things. And the interview was, was standing all the way back with a mic held out to him and said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. He's like, look, I've been through war. I've been through this. I've been through that. I'm almost like the Apostle Paul, all these things. He's like, it's going to be okay. This is the work that the Lord does in our life with every situation. This is why James talks about count it joy when you go through all these struggles because here's the thing. The Lord's going to show up and he's going to show up in different ways. Sometimes he's going to come in and he's just going to touch you and you're going to be healed. I've experienced that. I, was, I, was, uh, I began losing my eyesight when I was in early elementary school. My dad brought me forward to the altars and the elders of the church came forward. They prayed for me and immediately I had healing. Now, since then, I've, I've abused my eyes with close reading. I didn't need glasses again, but that's not God's fault. The Lord healed me. There are other things in my life I've, I've been praying all my life for, things that Paul did. And in it, I trust the Lord, and I say, God, this is, this is your will. I surrender to you, and I learn in a greater way how to surrender to the Lord, how to surrender to him. 
Because see, step by step, day by day, trial by trial, as we walk with God and as we trust him, we experience his hand in our lives in different situations coming along to where we have a rope. We have that hope in God that as it relates to this, we find from the, the words of Isaiah that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And it says that every tongue that rises up against you in judgment will be condemned because we have this hope in God through life, through experiences, through our failures and coming back to God and recognizing that every time I fail, I'm only one step away from God, that as soon as I turn to them, he's there. What other hope do we have in our life besides that? We have people in our lives, I'm sure all of you, you make one mistake, you're done, (laughs) right? And for some of us, we may have been that person. Someone did one mistake and we backed away. That's not who God is. He's constantly pursuing us. There are people praying for you that no matter how far you go, at that one turn, God's He's waiting there for you. This is the hope that we have. This is the hope that we have. This is the unshakable faith that results that you know this rope is not going to break. This is the hope rope that we have. And you may say, Pastor Dwayne, you know what? I've, I've heard some of this before. I've heard your cool rope analogy. I've heard all that stuff, and it's all there. And This is all great theology. But how do we live this out? Because there's times I'm stressed and I'm reminded of Isaiah and, I've, and I know those words, I know the right answers, put me on a game show, I'll win a lot of money. How do we live this out? How do we overcome this? Well, as I was thinking through and praying through and reading through this, this past week, I came across this analogy by Dr. David Jeremiah and he was talking about you turn on the light How do we have hope? You turn on the light. Did any of you ever get scared in a dark room as a kid? Right? Your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your grandparent, they put you in a room, the light's on, they read you this wonderful book, and you go to sleep, and then you wake up, and you went, they turned the light off. And now you're scared. And now what used to be a teddy bear now it looks like Sasquatch who's after you, right? Or there's something in the closet, or there's a boom, or there's a bang, and there's all this stuff going on, and you're, fear, you're filled with fear. Do you know what I did in that moment? I went, Dad! <laughs> right? I yelled out, because I was scared, and I was seeing all this stuff with my little imagination. But what would happen in that moment? My dad, he'd come in. And you know how he dispelled my fear? One by his presence. Just as soon as I heard his feet running. He would come in. I felt better. And then he'd turn on the light. He'd say, you're okay. And immediately I was like, ah. But I still had some fear. My heartbeat was still going. Everything was still going. So what did my dad do? He asked, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of the closet. I'm afraid of the, I heard something underneath my bed. I, the, you know, teddy bears acting weird. I don't know what's going on over there. And he would go over and say, no, your teddy bear's okay. Nope, I'm looking in the closet. There's nothing in the closet. There's nothing under your bed. I'm like, okay, great. And then he'd, he'd sit with me. Sometimes he'd read to me or he'd say a psalm or he'd do whatever. And he would wait until I got back to sleep again. And then he'd turn the light off and he'd walk across the room. And in that moment, I had hope. 
that dispelled all of my fear that my dad was there, that he would be there. Now, was that the last time that happened? No, that that happened quite a bit. You know, I probably wore my dad out. (laughs) But here's the thing. Every time I called, he ran. Even when he stubbed his toe and yelled out in anger, he got himself together. I'm reflecting as a dad now, going, okay, yeah, my dad, he got himself together before he went into the room. And then he would come in the room and say, are you okay? What's happening? Every, every time. See, this is what the Apostle Paul, he was doing to help him. He was, Paul was going to young Timothy, and he was turning on the light in his life. Because, see, Timothy, he was this young disciple, the Apostle Paul. And he, he was a young man that Paul had he'd poured into, and he'd placed him in the church that he planted, the church that he loved in Ephesus. And if you've been with us, we've talked about Ephesus before, how it, how it, it, it was this very prosperous city, but it was filled with every false religion at that time. It was this meeting place. It was this place where people came together. It was a corrupt city with every vice imaginable. And it was also a city filled with a lot of false teachers, those who would try to distract, those who would try to pull people away from the church, those who would do anything to disrupt the people of God. And Timothy's trying to lead this thing. So how did Paul put hope into Timothy? He says it right here. He looks at Timothy and he says, Timothy... Fan in the flame the gift of God. Fan in the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. See, Paul, he was correcting Timothy's perspective in exchange for God's perspective, because when I have my perspective, it's very easy for me to think about all the things that I can't do. Or there's so many, I go on Facebook and God, they're so much better than me, and all this is over here, and you just, all these feelings of failure and death and abandonment can come in. But what Paul is doing in this moment, he's changing the perspective that Timothy had, and he's inviting us to do the same. You've got to get the perspective of God, because when it comes to this, there is hope, and we need to be able to set aside in our life what is not from God, which is my insecurity, which is my fear which is my failure, none of that is from God, and I need to exchange it for what God has. Hope, love, sound mind, self-control. This is our perspective. These are all gifts of the Spirit. That's why when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he talked about the Spirit of God being in them. That's why he had them go go to the upper room and to wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit because you're going to need strength because you're going to be facing things that you can't do on your own, but you can do all things through Christ who will give you strength. And the power of the Holy Spirit that reminds us, that instructs us, that teaches us, and that fills us with hope. For me, that's why we even come together, why we gather together on Sundays. We sing and worship so that we can be focused, that we can remove the distractions, that we can... we can sing together or even just speak together all the songs that we sing, whether you have a voice or not. One of my favorite worship experiences was standing next to one of my best friends who was tone deaf. He sounded terrible. But I knew where he came from. Small town. You know where everybody comes from. And as I, as I looked over, I heard this god-awful noise. And I looked over, and his hands... We're in the air. This is not an expressive, emotional guy, okay? I was on the, on the bad end of a fight with him many times. We became good friends. But I'm looking over at this, at this guy who had bullied me a little bit previously. And now he's, he's crying tears, hands in the air, and we're best friends. 
this is why we do this. This is why we come together, because as together as a community, we, we speak these words, we read these words, we're filled with these words. There's unity that comes in because that's part of your rope as well. Why do you think the enemy on a Sunday morning is going to say, don't go to church? Dwayne's stupid. He's Canadian. Because it's not about me. See, God, he's weaving this thing in your life. If anyone's telling you not to go to church, guarantee that's the enemy. It's not God. Because for me, I need this. I need this discipline in my life. That's why I read my Bible every day. That's why I pray every day, no matter how long it is. I need to align my life. That's part of that rope, that hope, as I speak it. And some days I'm like, oh boy, this is great. And there's some days it's just, it's, it's laborious and it's hard because I'm going through stuff and I'm, I'm struggling with stuff. But I do it. I do it. Just like I brush my teeth every day because I want my teeth to be healthy. I put my life before God and I say, God, speak to me today. Be in my life. Because see, our perspective is trouble, failure, death. Nothing seems to be going right. God's perspective is, I'm with you. I've given you a gift, and you're not alone. It's what he said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, remember your grandmother. Remember your mother. Remember those around you. In Hebrews 12, it talks about just this, this, this group of witnesses that are surrounding us, that they're cheering for you. This is the perspective of God that if we only knew for one moment what was happening in heaven, how people are with us, we'd look up and go, wow. It's not about me. It's only about me from the to the point where I choose to say, God, you are my God and I will praise you. I will surrender to you. I will trust you. See, God is the answer to all of our fears. As it relates to death, we see in John 11 that Christ has conquered sin and death. For our fear of abandonment, he's promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. We know he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And then in Romans it says that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. And even as it relates to failure, failure, that's one of my big ones. One of my big ones is, is that fear of failure. Paul says we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And as we talked about last week, Jesus even said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, something so small, you can barely see it. You can say to that mountain, move, and it will move. We talked about how that means that nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. And Paul said to the Philippians, he said, I can do all things through Christ. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, as it relates to this faith overcoming the fear in our life through the hope of Jesus Christ inside of us, sometimes we need to walk. Sometimes the mountains are moved, but more often than not, God's saying, you know what? There's this rope we've been building in your life, Dwayne. It's time to use it. It's time to get it out. It's time to put the feet to your faith. Because my experience, there's times that things just seem to kind of be washed out of the way. But more often than not, mountains are moved as I go over them through the power of Jesus Christ, through this hope rope that he's given me. Amen? And I'm telling you this too, as I walk this out, there are difficulties that I've gone through that in the beginning I was, I was praying, God, no, no. You can just snap your fingers and it's done. Let's just do it that way. But as I look back, I find myself saying, God, thank you 
You taught me strength in that moment. You taught me things in that moment now that I can hand on to my kids, things in that moment that I can hand on to those around me, things in that moment that I didn't know I had. And here's one last tip before we respond today. One last tip for all of us. Don't go climbing alone. Don't go climbing. You don't need to go alone. In those moments, I found out friends I didn't know I had. I found out friends that I thought I'd I'd blown it with that showed up and was like, I'm here with you. See, we're not made to be alone. Even when Jesus sent his disciples out, he sent them out two by two, right? He's like, no, do it together. You need each other. You, You need to be together. This is the hope for Timothy. This is the hope for us to lean into it. See, hope is alive as we gather. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Stand if you can. If you can't, you can just sit down. But if you can, let's just change our posture. This is the moment when we respond to the word. This is the moment when the word becomes flesh in our lives as we walk in it. The response is so important. And I think one of the key questions that would be so helpful, and I've gone through this exercise, not just this week, but so many times, is ask yourself, what fears are in my way? Is it death I'm afraid of? Is it abandonment? Am I afraid of being alone, or am I afraid if I, if I choose something, then my friends will leave? Is it a fear of failure? Let me encourage you to be specific. And even in the response time, even just write those down. You can take, take a card just for yourself, just to have, to remind you right now, as the Spirit is moving here, what is it that I'm afraid of? And then as you assess that, and as the Lord speaks to you, sometimes the Lord's revealed to me fears that I couldn't, couldn't put a finger on my own. Ask yourself, how am I going to deal with it? I've been doing this, but God wants me to do this. And sometimes in that, I found that there are ropes in my life i got to get rid of. There's things I've been leaning on. And there's some things that are obvious, things that we've mentioned, right? But sometimes there were things that I was leaning on, and I didn't even fully realize how much I was leaning on it. The affirmation of others a friend at work or, or, or someone that's just distracting me from God or binge watching TV or whatever it may be, something that I use to distract myself that may not even bad on its own. Are there any ropes that you need to, need to get rid of, anything besides Jesus? And then this one is not on the screen, but what are you hoping for today? You know, as we talk about hope, what are you hoping for today? What are you hoping for your kids? Do any of you have hope for your kids? You're like, God, I hope I'm hoping that for my kids. Or for your own life. Where does the light of Jesus need to light up in you today? Amen. This is the response time. The team's going to sing. If you want that light, take a step. Step to pray with these wonderful people who would love to pray with you. If you're with somebody that you trust, turn to them and say, this is where I need a light of Jesus. This is where I'm fearful. Because when we speak it, that's the walking, right? That's the walking out. Speak it to somebody. Pray to somebody. Go to the prayer wall. 
receive communion, do all of those things, but respond. So as we head into this year, God, may you fill us with the hope of Jesus. Flood us with your light. And God, help us today to overcome it by taking a step, just to confess with our mouth to someone that we trust, to write it down, but to take those steps in overcoming fear through you. I'm going to invite one of our favorite missionaries, Chris Ness. He just came to me and feels that he has something that he'd like for the Lord to speak through him today. Chris. Um, you may or may not know that I'm someone who has struggled with hopelessness or lack of hope. Um, only those that are close to me would probably know that I've struggled with depression, that I, that I do, and um, I remember finding myself, I, I think it was about six months ago, at one of my lowest of lows, lacking hope, and I also found myself at Pastor Duane and Pastor Stephanie's dining room table, sharing with them in tears just about the struggles that I was going through, that Heidi and I were going through, just all the life circumstances that just hit us, seemed to hit us at once. And for those of you who know us a little bit, maybe you know some of that story, just the struggles on the mission field, struggles here in the States, kids' health. Um, many of you might know that Heidi's brother passed away about a month ago and after a long battle with, with brain cancer. But my point being is, I, I have struggled with hope at times, not, my, not hope for eternity, but hope in this life. And, and I just want you to know, if that's you today, that, that's part of life. And, and I, you know, you were talking about strands, and I, I look, I, I've watched God just put together strands in my life, put together tools and resources in my life to bring hope, to bring life, to bring mental health. You were talking about mental health earlier. And I do wish that in that moment, they prayed for me and not, it, I, I left with a greater measure of hope, but my problems were not solved in that moment and they're still not. <laughs> and yet God has just, the testimony is God has been just weaving hope into my life. He's bringing people into my life and honestly, He's putting together some of the pieces of God doing that in my life are actually modern medicine and counseling. But I've watched and I'm watching how God is just, he's brought me the tools. He's bringing me the tools. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. You know, I don't want to minimize circumstances. Circumstances are tough. We're still going through them. But you were talking earlier about waiting and how that kind of uh, equals hope. And I was like, wow, we've, we've really, Heidi and I have had to wait for solutions to come. And my prayer for you is that you'd be able to wait, that you'd be able to allow God to put things together how he sees fit, that you would open yourselves up to what it is that God wants, the, the pieces that he wants to put together. My prayer is that God will bring those people, that God will bring those resources to you. It may not be that all of a sudden overnight you have, you have this great hope, but it might be a process like it's been in my life. So maybe that, that word is for someone. And I, I just had this sense that there's maybe someone in this room that's facing something very difficult tomorrow.
that you just don't know how you're going to get through that, whether it's a meeting, whether it's an engagement with someone. And I just want to speak to you today that, that, that the Lord will bring you through that. You, it, you, may, you may not know that till afterwards. Uh, you, you won't see it until afterwards necessarily, but just trust that God has you in the palm of his hands. He cares for you, and he want, has your best interests in mind. They that wait up in the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Renew their strength. You know, when you hang around mountain climbers, the one thing you find out really quick, they're really good at hanging out. <laughs> they know how to hang out. They know how to wait. You're like, when do we climb? When do we climb? When do we climb? You got to wait. When do, you, when do we climb? You got to wait. Because they know if you go when you shouldn't go, you're never going to go again. <laughs> right? There's, there's a timing to it. There's, there's weather. There's those things that you go in and it made me think about one of the things I love to do is woodworking. Not great at it, but learning. But when you put stain on it, when you, you do all the hard work, you take the time, you sand it, and you clean it off, and then you start staining it. They will tell you, wait till it's dry. You, you put something on it when it's not dry, you're going to permanently damage it. And then you've got to wait till it's dry, and you've got to start over again. I'm telling you, I've done that so much in my life. My encouragement to you, the Lord's doing something in your life. Just like I was building a desk, but I had to wait for it to dry. But every day you go in like, let's, let's, let's bring the desk up now. Let's bring the desk up now. Let's bring the desk up now. It's not ready yet. God's doing a work in your life that sometimes you, you, you've, you've got to wait. And the more you do it, the stronger it gets. Because then when it's there, when you need it, it's going to be strong. It's going to be beautiful. He's weaving that together. Amen. So Lord, I pray that you would give us patience as we walk. To run and not go weary, but also, God, to find the people we can wait with, the people that they're good at hanging out, they're good at waiting. Waiting is not losing hope. Waiting is trusting you, trusting your timing, trusting. You never fail us. So we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. And we're still together. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here today. And, man, I... I pray that you would just lean, lean into this and that you continue to study it and just ask the Lord, connect with somebody, find a group, find somebody. There's so many wonderful people here. Find someone that you can do this with. Again, if, if you're new, we're, we're, we're gonna, I encourage you to follow me. We're going to head over to the, uh, to the New Here Lunch. It's wonderful. It's a great time. Our team's going to be there. But this is our benediction. As we, let's say this together. Say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and hope. <laughs>